0: Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome back to the MLB.com StatCast podcast. I'm your host, Mike Petriello. Sitting here with me is MLB.com National Editor Matt Myers. Matt, hello. Hi hey Mike, how are you? I'm doing great. Well, we took a week off and uh, we're back. And now we actually uh, we have no guests this week, and I point that out because our good friend and colleague Will Leach uh, has told me on multiple occasions that he actually likes our show better when it's just you and I talking back and forth. So we have fans. Pressure's on. Yeah, pressure is on, and uh, I hope Will is listening this week to kind of give us positive feedback on that. But we do have an interesting show today. We are in a little bit going to get to a, uh, we're going to get to talking about a new offensive Statcast stat that we've invented called Barrels, which is an improvement on our previous version of Barrels. Uh, but first, I kind of want to get to what seems to be the the biggest story in baseball right now. Maybe not the biggest team story, because that's probably the Mets winning 14 of 18. But you know, we have kind of a unique position in that we get a lot of uh, requests for Statcast data from around baseball, and we sort of get a good handle on what people are interested in. And what we get so often recently is people wonder how fast Trey Turner is, and I get it because Trey Turner has come in as a rookie. He's taken over center field for the Nationals playoff team. He's uh, hitting lead off, and, he, and he's hitting really well. Uh, on base at I can a .530. And by the way, he has no shot at the NL rookie of the year. None, literally none. Because L- literally none. That's Corey Seager's. Award. And stealing bases at an incredible clip. Right. And if you you read all the scouting reports, it's he's he's so fast. He's just the fastest. And I think people have this idea that maybe he's the fastest in baseball. And I will say he's extremely fast. The, the eye test says that. The data says that. But as we've been looking up all these numbers on Trey Turner, I'll tell you the name that constantly pops up above Trey Turner. You're gonna you're gonna think it's Billy Hamilton. It's not just Billy Hampton, Byron Buxton. And Byron Buxton, I'm very happy to say, has been crushing the ball lately because when Byron Buxton wasn't and the Twins were playing poorly, nobody seemed to care that Byron Buxton was really fast because, like, well, he's not hitting well. Uh, But Byron Buxton, over his last seven games, 462, four homers, and four doubles. But the point is, he's incredibly fast, right? And so the way we like to measure this is I like to do it from time from a base to another base. Like, how quickly in seconds did he get from home to first, home to second, Home to third, and um, I think it's important that you kind of just clarify only right-handed hitters. Of course. Because obviously a left-handed hitter gets out of the box a little more quickly. And on home to first, we also looked at non-bunts, because if you're bunting it, you might already be in motion before you even hit the ball. It's not really a fair fight, okay? So, on home to first, for right-handed hitters, Trey Turner, everybody thinks, is going to be number one. His fastest time is 3.91 seconds. It sounds pretty good. It's tied for 16th overall. Did you believe that? And Byron Buxton has the top two, 3.72, 3.84. Billy Hamilton has two better than Turner. Starling Marte has three better than Turner. Obviously, he's played uh, you know, the entire season, so there's opportunity here. But I, I think it's fascinating. Nobody talks about Buxton in this way. And is it is it just because the Twins aren't playing very well? I'm sure that's a huge factor.
1: Um, that you know Turner has been a big part of this great Nats season. He's sort of been the was kind of seen as the missing piece, and he came in and sort of like when he came up, I think they really ran away with the division um when he came up and started playing well they put up they put him in center field and he's just kind of flourished so I think that has a lot to do with it and you know the people get excited about the next big thing and Buxton in a weird way has seemed like kind of a disappointment even though he's still 22 years old right so people have like already moved on to, to Trey Turner whereas Buxton who as you said is now crushing the ball um he's something man that he is fast
0: yeah well we, we measure this for home to second and for home to third as well for, so for home to second uh, uh, and that, I kind of clarify this I didn't look for doubles. I just looked for triples, because I don't want a guy slowing as he's coming in a second on a double. I want full speed all the way around home to third, right? Turner's fastest time is 7.6 seconds, which he's done twice, which is tied for fifth. Byron Buxton has the fastest, 7.3 seconds. Obviously, we're not talking about huge distances here. I'm not saying Turner isn't fast. He obviously very much is. uh, But Byron Buxton, and if you look at it uh, on home the second, regardless of double or triple, Buxton has the top six and seven of eight. And when I tweeted that that out, you know what most people said? Wow, he got the second base six times, (laughs) which is partially true. But the fact that he hasn't really played all that much or gotten to second base and he's still got the top six, I think that says a lot about him.
1: Yeah. And, uh, I mean, the the thing that we've also seen is basically that, like, it appears Billy Hamilton is sort of a cut above. And then there's Buxton. And there's a whole group of other people that turners in. And it's not necessarily a knock. On Turner, nor does this mean he can't be the best base dealer Ricky Henderson was probably not as fast as some of the other speedster, speedsters of his time in a straight sprint, but he was obviously a better, smarter right. base runner. I,
0: I'm, I might be making the case that Trey Turner is—I don't know—the fourth fastest person in all of the hundreds of players of baseball, and in no way is that an insult.
1: Yeah. The other thing is also the—I the, um, was looking into this during the uh, during the Olympics—is that Olympic sprinters don't peak until sixty yards. So we actually don't really know in terms of, like, absolute peak speed because we never see it on a baseball field. No one runs in a straight line 60 yards. So we actually don't really know who has the highest real peak speed uh, amongst these guys. But as far as baseball is concerned, it seems like it's Hamilton, Buxton, and then your Trey Turner, Billy Burns... Yeah, Terrence Gord. Gord. actually Terrence score, we, yes.
0: we don't we don't we not have enough data on to know where, right. where uh Cesar Hernandez is in that, but you make a good point. Uh, one thing Statcast should be able to do, but we haven't done yet, is kind of look at route around the bases. It's potentially possible that Buxton is just making a tighter route and isn't running as many feet if, if Turner's kind of going in a wider direction around the bases. Uh, so anyway, I thought that was fascinating. Yes, Trey Turner is very very fast, but do not sleep on Byron Buxton, especially now that he's hitting the ball because he's incredibly fast and he's showing some real power. Eight extra base hits in the last seven games.
1: Let's keep talking about speed, because there's a team that has sort of been somewhat under the radar, been far and away the most prolific base-stealing team in baseball.
0: Uh, yeah, you, you might think it's the Reds because of Billy Hamilton, and uh, he's, he's, he's kind of done a lot by himself. No, the Milwaukee Brewers, You know, nobody really thinks about the Milwaukee Brewers this year because they're kind of uh, having a, a subpar season, but they've attempted 203 stolen bases, okay? The second place team, that's the Reds, only 165 stolen bases. And then from there it goes 151, 145. There's a big gap of teams there. You can see that they have stolen more bases or, or attempted more bases than anybody. And obviously they've been successful too. They've stolen 156 bases. The Reds have 121. Uh, since, uh, San Diego's 114, et etc., et And so I thought that was interesting. And, uh, you know, simply being aggressive, I imagine, is a big part of that. You know, they're not a team with a lot of offense. They need to generate offense wherever they can. But I thought this was kind of cool. We're able to look up... Uh, lead distance from first base. And you can measure how far off of the base was the hitter or was the runner when the pitcher made his move to the plate. And we're also able to just do that on stolen base attempts because obviously it doesn't matter so much when the bases are loaded and it's a sack fly, whatever. So we did that. We looked at highest primary lead distance uh, on steal attempts. The Brewers averaged 13.2 feet off the base uh, second place team is toronto 12.9 ton of teams clustered between 11.5 and 12.5 the uh, the lowest teams are baltimore and oakland who are just under 11 feet off the base so you we know, as always said you don't run 60 feet you run 60 90 feet you don't run 90 feet you run 90 feet minus however many feet it is you choose to cut off of that by taking a lead and so i think that is interesting because milwaukee says well, we want to make these stolen base attempts successful, we're going to push everybody a little bit further off. We're going to take a little bit of risk that the pitcher's not going to pick us off. Uh, and I think that's a cool way to kind of make your stolen base attempts higher probability of success.
1: For sure, and it's definitely working. I mean, the the, the poster child for that is uh, Jonathan Villar, who, um, oh, you have, you have, you have, I, I do you have more, I, you have more I, cool data for me? I you do. I,
0: I have here the individual uh, leaderboard, right? And this is, uh, I think this is off of all bases, not just first base. But with a minimum of 10 attempts, right, which guys got the highest primary lead distance. And in the top five, three of them are Milwaukee Brewers. Now, you're right. Jonathan VR is number three. He gets an average of 13.9 feet off the base on steal attempts. And you're right. He's got like 52 stolen bases or something like that. Would you believe who number one is? Who gets the most lead distance in baseball on stolen base attempts?
1: Um, Paul Goldschmidt would be too obvious of a guess because we've talked about him before in his lead distances. But... And he
0: is on this list, by the way. I don't know if you look that far down, but he is actually like 15th on the list. Uh, he gets 13 feet off the base. No, Ryan Braun, 15 and a half feet off the base on stolen base attempts. And so I, I wonder if that's him saying, well, I'm not as fast as I used to be, or maybe it's him saying I'm a veteran and I can really read the pitcher's movements and I'm not worried about getting picked off. Well, I mean, he is he is a guy that a few
1: years ago was a prolific base stealer, and we didn't have this data then, but he was a 30-30 guy, um, the long-lost art of 30-30, but he was one of the few guys that was doing that. Um, so it actually makes sense to me that he— because he's not pure—he's spe- not a pure speed guy. So the fact that Ryan Braun is savvy when it comes to getting an, an extra step or two on his lead, it,
0: it makes a lot of sense. It makes sense because number two on the list is uh, Brandon Phillips, who kind of fits the same mold. You know, he's a veteran, he's a smart ball player, he's been around, he's really able to, to read the, the pitchers like that. Uh, and then number five is, is Scooter Gannett. So three of the top five are Brewers, and that really seems to me like it's—it's it's not just one guy pushing it out there. It's like a team philosophy get an extra foot or two on the lead and that'll make you more successful because you're not running as far. Yeah, it's, it's interesting because
1: the Brewers are a team that's definitely one of these rebuilding mode. You know, they, they brought in a new GM, sort of trying some different things. And you wonder if maybe that this is part of a, a, a philosophy from the front office of saying like, hey, you know what? There's a way, no one's really stealing bases anymore, but maybe we can create a little advantage for ourselves if we become the team that is much better. Because, I mean, they're not just attempting more. Their, their success rate has been... Pretty impressive, too. So it's not like, you know, this isn't working for them.
0: And I think you're right about philosophy because if you look at the next-to-last team on the list, the Baltimore Orioles at 10.9 feet, this is something I know you've been all up on for weeks. The Orioles, I don't know what the number is right now, but they're on track to set a major league record in a 162-game season for fewest stolen bases attempted, which as of a week ago was like on track for 30 or something like that, yeah, it's, right?
1: It's, it's remarkable, and I, mean, I think this is actually good, you know, to transition to something else I want to talk about, which is basically the increase of homers across baseball, and a lot of different philosophies. And you look at a team like the Baltimore Orioles, there's no team in baseball probably more perfectly constructed just to be like, you know what, we're just here to hit dangers. Yeah. And well, it's definitely a philosophy for them. They don't really seem to value defense, they're putting Mark Trumbo. You know, they, they put out teams that will have some combination of Mark Trombo, Chris Davis, Pedro Alvarez on the field at once. <laughs> you know,
0: it's now, now Pedro Alvarez hasn't touched his glove in months.
1: <laughs> <laughs> fine, fine. Fair enough. But you see my point. It's like it's, you know, for the most part, the the philosophies and the other extreme, which is teams basically saying, like, we just want to hit homers.
0: Well, I think that's interesting uh, because it's, there's no question that home runs are up across baseball. And if you've been if reading up, there's a million different theories on why that is. And I do think that there's something to the idea that hitters are getting smarter. Uh, I think we've seen, we saw, I was saying we saw uh, Daniel Murphy on, on ESPN the other night was saying, I was told that I'm more productive, I get a higher exit velocity, higher batting average when I pull the ball in the air. So that's what I started doing. And it sounds like the simplest thing in the world, right? But that's, if you look at the numbers, he's pulled the ball more often and hits the ball in the air more often. Where do you think all his home runs come from? <laughs> do- doing that, you know, Brian Dozier exactly the same way, except, you know, from the right-handed side. He pulls the ball in the air, and he gets home runs. I think we've seen that, that smart hitters, you know, powerful hitters, not the Billy Hamiltons of the world, are saying, hitting the ball on the ground doesn't do anything for me. Maybe I'll get a single, but I'm not going to get an extra base hit and I'm not fast. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to elevate the ball. I'm going to go against what all my youth hitting coaches told me, you know, swing down on the wall a ball and chop wood. I'm going to elevate, uh, you know, even if that means I get a couple extra outs because of uh, batting average, I'm going to try to elevate and I'm going to put the ball out of the park. I think that's a big part of what this is. Yeah, there was, a, there
1: was a segment you pointed out to me where Josh Donaldson was on MLB Network talking about, you know, his hitting philosophy, and he basically – he looked at the camera at one point and was like, all you kids out there, I know your, your youth coach is going to tell you, hit down on the ball. He was like, don't. <laughs> say
0: no. He was like, say, say no.
1: <laughs> and it was really fascinating to see, and it sort of has created this, I think we basically have a league of players who are starting to think that way. I saw a story about uh, Kelly Johnson the other day, who has been hitting very well since he came back to the Mets, and apparently when he came back to the Mets, he went to the hitting coach, Kevin Long, and was like, I want you to do with me what you did with Daniel Murphy last year. And obviously, you can't just magically make that happen. But he basically—that's the—he's basically trying to follow that philosophy of what you you mentioned a year ago. Yeah,
0: uppercuts but, are good, and uh, I've long felt Kevin Long is an extremely underrated hitting coach. Well, I, you know, we we talk about trying to be smart and trying to elevate the ball and hitting it in the right spot. And you know, we're, we're kind of we're trying to figure out a, a new stat for this, and we've come up with one, and we're going to be rolling it out over the next couple weeks. And it's called barrels, and it's a little different from when we talked about this last year. But you know, if you think about it, you can hit the ball really hard straight up, and it doesn't help you. You hit the ball really hard straight down, and it doesn't help you. Like you want to get into that real sweet. Spot of launch angle, right?
1: And I think you know, for people who have been uh, diehard listeners of the show, there was Mike and I sort of had come up with a back of the envelope sort of yeah. calculation for it, which was basically like a batted ball above 100 miles per hour um, with a launch angle between I think 10 and 30 degrees. And, and of course, you know, we we hired Tom Tango at MLB.com uh, right. to sort of he put help. some math into it. <laughs> yeah, so we won't reveal the exact formula now because it's still sort of being we're still it's being you know I think he's. Uh, Refining it around the edges, but he sort of you know made it a lot smarter and created a metric that's basically trying to define what it means to to
0: a well-hit ball, to to barrel up a ball. Yeah. And that, the whole the whole idea is you know what's where is the the, the combination of exit velocity and launch angle. Where you're likely to see a ball be at least a, you know a 500 batting average and a, and a 1500 slugging percentage And you know, it's, it's probably higher than that like, you know You talk about the quality starts analogy quality start six innings and three earned runs Most quality starts are very much higher than that. They're yeah. much better So that's the low end for for barrels I think if you look at all balls that we're going to consider quote-unquote barreled It's like a 775 batting average and a slugging percentage of well over 2,000 I mean, it's like the best possible thing a hitter can do because if you hit it in that zone Success is almost certainly going to follow. Yes, and so what we learned is that you know, it's not, it's not a square necessarily of of launch angle and exit velocity. It's as you hit the ball harder, the available launch angles get wider, right? Yes. If you hit the ball, let's say, at 100 miles an hour and 40 degrees, maybe that's going to be a fly ball. Hit the ball at 120 miles an hour 40 degrees, that's probably going to be a home run. <laughs> that's definitely going to be a home run. <laughs> <laughs> so... Anyway, that's what we're going to be rolling out you know, in the coming days and weeks, and, and we've got some interesting graphics, which in no way translate to an audio-only podcast, that really show like, where the quote-unquote barrel zone is. But I can tell you, we, we kind of looked up the leaders, and it's the names you'd expect, right? Miguel Cabrera has the most quote-unquote barrels in baseball right now. Uh, Mark Trumbo, you know, David Ortiz, interestingly enough, number six on that list. Chris, with a K, Chris Davis. Not, not Baltimore, Chris Davis, Oakland Chris Davis. Yeah, and then an, an
1: inter- a very interesting name on the list, and you know this is the, this is going to sort of be one of the next iterations of kind of figure like f- looking for probably fantasy baseball lucky unlucky hitters. I am shocked to see tied with Josh Donaldson. Justin Upton.
0: Justin Upton, who was a mess for months and then, uh, like a couple of other players, took a break and has been unbelievable But almost since. certainly
1: not, clearly not as much of a mess as maybe it appeared. He probably was hitting the ball a little harder than people realized, right. by hitting into a lot of
0: the, the whole idea is that if you hit a ball, let's, I'm just making up numbers here, let's say 110 miles an hour at a 25-degree launch angle, that's, that's great. Maybe that's a home run every single time, so maybe it's a bad example, but the point is every now and then one of those is going to get caught and turned to tune out. You're not going to get credit for that. You're 0 for 1. But you did your job, right? Nobody would argue that you didn't do your job. And that's really what we're trying to measure is, guys, regardless of what actually happened on the field, where a a fielder might have been shifted, where the wind might have been blown in on you, where you were playing in an incredibly deep ballpark, you went up there... And you did the best possible thing a hitter can do. And I think that's what's really interesting to measure. Uh, and then the next step for that is, you know, combining that with how often did you make contact in the first place? Because Chris Carter's on that list, too. And, I, you know, I'm a big fan of Chris Carter, but Chris <laughs> Carter strikes out about 2,000% of the time. so that's, give, give or take. Give or take. Um, but anyway, keep an eye on out for that because I think it's going to be real cool. We're going we're gonna to have leaderboards up on the site. And uh, I think that'll be a really interesting way to see, like, who is just the best of the best. Who's shocked? Miguel Cabrera is number one. I'm not shocked.
1: I'm I'm not shocked either.
0: Uh, you know, talking about hitting really hard, hitting for home runs. I think you know we wanted to talk about going back to you know the increase in home runs. Middle infielders, right? Isn't it shocking if you look at the the increase in home runs? Middle infielders, particularly second basemen, have just been crushing balls like like we've almost never seen before. And we talked about Daniel Murphy, uh, Brian Dozier, but it's not just the two of them, is it? No, it's it's across the league. There's a, a piece that Andrew Simon
1: did on the on the site today that you should all go read. But I'll give you a couple of, like, specific nuggets that I pulled out that I thought really hit home this this point. I think it kind of goes back to what we were saying before about um, the increase in home pl- types of players trying to hit home runs. Second basemen have already gone gone deep 502 times this season. The previous record was 477 in 2009. They've already destroyed the record, and there's still three weeks left right. the season. Um, middle infielders together have accounted for 927 home runs. Um, that's already 56 more than the previous marks in 2003. So, I mean, it is – It's a different game. And I think what we're seeing, and I've noticed this like a couple weeks ago when I was watching a Cardinals game and saw Jed Jorko playing shortstop, teams, certain teams, and the Cardinals are definitely one of them because the Cardinals, as I saw today, lead the league in fly balls of greater than 325 feet. This is a team that doesn't have a DH and does not play in Colorado, and they have the most long fly balls in baseball this year. So clearly it's a philosophy. And part of that is the fact they're willing to put Jorko at shortstop hey, they'll throw Colton Wong in center field if they have to. They're clearly prioritizing offense over defense and realizing that with all the strikeouts and all the home runs in the game, maybe defense isn't as important as we thought it was, and they're willing to put guys on the field who they think will hit home runs and make a difference on the offensive side.
0: So fewer balls in play. Right, means you're saying that defense may be less important in some of those positions, and not only fewer balls in play, but the balls that are in play more often go into a shift, <laughs> yeah. which means these fielders are, you know, potentially in a better position to make the catches.
1: Or oh, exactly, or they're fly balls, in which case. Fielders
0: don't matter as much anyway. Well, that's true. I mean, and this is something else that, that Tom Tango's been working on as far as like fielding metrics. A huge amount of fly balls aren't really that competitive, right? There's a huge amount of fly balls that every fielder in baseball, any competent major league quality outfielder, should be able to make. You only like you only learn about the skills of a defender on a really kind of a small portion of the balls available to them, and that's a different conversation. But the point is that a lot of the balls to the outfield. Anybody should catch those, Correct. Right, regardless of great skill or, or below-average skill, yep. and I think that's fascinating. Um, so I, you know that is our show for this week, and that, uh, next week I think we're going to have something very interesting. We're going to have our fantastic and talented producer, Danny Wexman, is going to have an interview with a major league ball player uh, that we're going to get some interesting stuff about the Cubs on, so I'm really looking forward to that. Definitely. And uh, that's our show for the week. I am Mike Petriello. He's Matt Myers. This is the MLB.com StackCast podcast.